Welcome to the Church for Dummies podcast, where we explain church history and ecclesiology to dumb people like us. Now here are your hosts, Josh Whitney and Isaac Thibodeau. Like us. Mm. Like me. That's profound. So profound. It reaches the depths of one's very soul. So your stupidity reaches to the depths of your very soul. Like it's... It's transcendent. How how dumb. <laughs> I, is that borderline <laughs> blasphemy, Josh? Is it, uh, I don't think so. No, it's probably fine. And I would know. I'm an expert on church history. Oh, of course. Yeah. As sure. we both are. We As, both have our PhDs and we, we've read some books. Okay. We should, we should probably move on. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, how you been, dude? Pretty good. I've, uh, cause you know, it hasn't been that long since we've recorded our last one because we're very proficient at doing all of this. So it hasn't been that long. So, you know, pretty good it's for been sure. A whole year, Josh. Um, that sounds, that sounds not maybe, maybe a year or a little less, maybe two months. Well, I've month. been really good. Thanks for asking. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing well. Things are well. How are how have things been with you, Sir Isaac? They've been Newton. halfway wicked decent, man. They have. <laughs> I'm just excited to finally, you know, record another episode and get into things, man. Yeah. So, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to start a two, maybe three, part series. Not exactly sure. We're, we'll figure that out as we go on recording. But we're going to be talking about uh, the church history obviously, but we're going to be talking about um, specific time frames of church history. We're really going to try and break that down a little bit, um, going into the first three centuries of the church, then moving into kind of uh, the a more when there was a Christian empire, 300-ish to almost 600-ish, and then kind of breaking things down um, in these small time frames. And uh, there's going to be Three questions we're looking into as we're going into these different ages. We're looking at what church was like in these different ages. So we're going to be asking, first question, how was the church governed or how did the church govern? Um, Like, how was it structured? What were the leaders? What were the responsibilities of the lay people? Like, what did the church governing look like in these three areas? Second question, how did the church expand? Uh, Big picture Overall, we look at this time frame in history, um, the church grew or didn't grow. How did that happen in that time frame? And then the third question, how did the church witness? This one's going to be a lot more zoomed in. How did the lay people of the church proselytize, share the gospel, essentially soul winning, as we've, we read in a very famous book, Soul Winner by Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon. The Spurgeon. Spurgeon. Um, so yeah, yeah, man, we're really gonna just dive in. Let's do it. You got your snorkel. <laughs> that's that's snorkeling. <laughs> is that the kind of sound you just, make, dude? Yeah, I've I've never been snorkeling. Is that what you do? You. Your wife is a saint. <laughs> she puts up. I love you, Sarah. Oh my gosh, she is the best. She is the best. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, dude. Well, let's let's get into it. So, um, the there are. 
a few different ways to break down church history as far as looking at it big picture um, and the different ages of the church or the different stages, however you want to say it. Um, So we've broken it down in a relatively similar fashion to the way um, a book that we both love, Church History in Plain Language, which we highly recommend you guys read. Holy smokes, this thing's good. So good. It is holds true to its title, Church History in Plain Language. It's very readable, and it's super interesting. I think um, a testimony to that is I was reading it and understanding it. Yeah. I think that's, honestly, a, dude, that's, that's a really good testimony to how easy this thing is yeah, to Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the reason why it's called Church for Dummies is because we're dummies. We're part of the dummies. We're part of the dummies. In fact, we think everyone's part of the dummies, except for our Lord and the apostles. Yes. They weren't dummies. They yeah. were at one point. I think we're, we we see that as yeah. we're diving back into history. Like even some, I mean, David had uh, was a man after the Lord's own heart. And look at the things that dude did. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. So yeah, yeah, we're all dummies saved by grace. Dummies saved by grace. Right on, man. <laughs> that should be That's our sh- thing. That's our first t-shirt. Dummies saved, saved by, by grace. grace. Dude. All right. I have no idea how to sell that t-shirt. No one be expecting a t-shirt <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, anytime soon. No, 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 no. Well, let's get into it, man. So yeah. uh, so the first couple um, stages of the church, there's like the first three centuries, which yeah. is typically called the Catholic age. Yeah. And don't be scared by that, Protestants. That's <sighs> not a bad Catholic. word. Yeah, that's not a bad word. It means universal or global. Okay? So... It's synonymous with that. Um, and then there's the uh, ecclesi- age of ecclesiology, or however you want to say it. Basically, um, later on, toward like 300 to, uh, 312 to 590, where the church is kind of getting more established. Um, it's getting more organized. Leadership structure is kind of changing. And then, of course, you get into the medieval period, the Reformation, um, the age of progress and um, globalization, where like missionaries are going everywhere um, to other countries and whatnot. So yeah, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of thing we're looking at. So why don't we look at the first three centuries? Boom. So, Josh, how did the church govern in the first three centuries? So we're blessed to have um scripture, God's inspired word to give us a good view of how how it looked after the Lord was ascended, um, mostly done by the apostles. Um, now, they, not all churches were established by an apostle. Um, there was a spreading of the gospel, Christians around, or, or Jews and Gentiles around the world hearing about this risen Lord and having faith and belief in him. Um, and as the apostles traveled, you see like Paul's huge missionary journey, like finding these Christians, giving them the true gospel um, and seeing them. You have some places claiming apostleship of that they this apostle started their church. We really don't know a lot of who started churches, but anyways, long story, most of them were governed by the apostles. And um, that's where you see Timothy. Timothy was um, one of the elders that Paul had established um, in a local church. And that's how we have First and Second Timothy is Paul writing to Timothy, 
telling him, now that you are an elder of a church, this is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So you had apostles gathering Christians, um, trying to set up an eldership within these local bodies. Um, and you would typically have, like I just said, multiple elders or pastors in one church. And by one church, it was not your first Baptist church of, uh, of, of Ephesus. <laughs> you, had, you had people gathering in their homes and having uh, large gatherings that way of the church to meet on the Lord's Day. The, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason why, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's called the Catholic age is because there weren't any schisms really yeah. in the in the church like doctrine was still kind of being um understood more deeply and kind of developed as far as our understanding of that mm-hmm. um and there there was really a lot of unity in the church particularly because during these first three centuries christians were being persecuted and because of the persecution it kind of forced Christians to stick together more than they would otherwise. When it, when they're comfortable, it's easy to disagree and split up. But when you're being hunted down and killed, uh, thrown into coliseums to be eaten by lions, you're going to stick together yeah. and put aside your second level, third level differences. <gasps> Ooh, callback! Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're not having people arguing about the pew color in it, times like that. Yeah. Maybe the catacombs color. Maybe the catacombs color. <laughs> Should we cover up the that tomb? It's it's just a little weird. That's a little much. It's a little much. But yeah. So so that's yeah, I agree. I think uh, this is definitely pretty clearly how the church governed, you know, yeah. definitely the apostles and then the apostles established elders. Mm-hmm. Um but then kind of later on in these centuries, yeah. we see that there was this other office that was kind of established, um, and that was the office of bishop, mm-hmm. which many listeners have probably heard that term. If you're familiar with the King James Version of the of the Bible in English, it says, um, it, it often calls pastors bishops. Um, now, in the Bible, the words that are translated that, it's it's all like they're synonymous. They mean the same thing. Basically, yeah. like shepherd or a leader of, overseer. of a flock. Overseer. Yeah. All the same thing. But as far as church lingo is concerned, mm-hmm. a bishop is different than a pastor. Mm-hmm. A bishop is a pastor of pastors or a regional leader. So you would have multiple local churches, mm-hmm. each having their own pastor or pastors. And then there's a bishop who's over those churches. It's kind of like a hierarchy. Like almost. a regional manager. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that so that was a kind of just something that kind of developed, not in every area mm-hmm. um, of the church. Like that was it kind of developed in certain regions and other regions not so much. Um, particular area developed uh, the most prominently was Rome, of course. Rome, Antioch. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those places. Um, so what do we think about that though? Cause I, I don't want to just do a boring lecture and just tell people what happened. Like what- the early church, uh, initially started as elders and quickly moved to bishops. Um, <laughs> <Gosh>. that's, <laughs> do you watch 
Now we won't talk about shows that we watch. I was trying to do a character from a show that I watched. We don't have to go into it. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, I think it's smart to have organization. Mm -hmm. Um, You see that, you see that today um, there's, there's pros and cons. You have pro, you've got someone who has an vested interest in local bodies, um, in areas in your region, um, in Asia Minor, as we're talking about in church history, in Asia Minor, and then in Italy or Rome and those areas, um, in uh, other places that I'm blanking names on, you have people that care about the local church, um, and that's good. The con is making it the responsibility of one man to be the doctrinal, ecclesiological, ecclesiological is how you say that word. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that lesson, Josh. (laughs) In case you were wondering, it's not ecclesiastical. And uh, uh, putting one man in charge of that and be like, listen, church, in... in, um, in Galatia, this is how you're going to do this, and this is how you're going to do this, and laying laying down these these more or less demands of what this church should do, um, which is unfortunately what we see happening fairly quickly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it did not take long. <laughs> it it did take long. You're right. You're right. And honestly, like one of the biggest factors that contributed to this not taking very long for these different ideas of leadership to be developed is remember the church is just coming out of a time of persecution. Yeah. And like their main goal is to stay alive and not abandon Christ, not to like apostatize from the faith. Right. They're, they're just trying to, to be Christians in a world that's trying to murder them literally. Right. They didn't have a whole lot of time to sit down and spend hours and hours developing a robust, theology on how the church should be governed no. and whatnot. You, I mean, you see that in scripture, like right. Paul writing in Corinthians in f- chapter 15 to us, chapter 15 and them Corinthians of um, the the bare essentials of the gospel. And then in James, right, uh, Jude, excuse me, saying, I want to write to you defend, uh, about our common faith. Like that's all they cared about was their common faith and the importance of that. Right. It's yeah. not like other things didn't matter. Right. But the the thing that they needed to, to have was the gospel and believe it and not abandon it through persecution. Yeah. You Fun know? fact, maybe we shouldn't abandon the gospel if you're saved. Yeah. Like maybe there's something rich and beautiful and fulfilling in the gospel. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. Maybe it's the power of God to salvation. Oh, man. Even for the believer? I think so. Wow. Even if you're Jewish, even if you're Greek. Interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, there's no distinction. No distinction. Like, male and female. Slave or free? That yeah, sounds yeah. familiar. <laughs> I interrupted you, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did interrupt me. Thanks, Josh. I but it was for the gospel, so... It was, yeah. Can't really but, be too mad. <laughs> yeah, like, basically, though, we got to understand... As we go through this and we see some kind of wacky things that the church believed and, and whatnot. Yeah. Like wacky to Baptists anyways, like <laughs> maybe other, which is the majority of professing Christians in America. It People seems baptize their babies. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> crazy. Um, but anyways, so. I digress. The, uh, but the important thing to remember is just like 
honestly, they're just kind of doing what's practical for them at the time. Like yeah. they're coming out of this intense period of persecution where there's so much disarray in the church and to have some guy, like one guy they can look to, to lead mm-hmm. their entire region of local bodies, mm-hmm. like that's really appealing. Yeah. I totally see why that'd be appealing because I wish, I so bet much... Paul wished for that. He yeah. had, how many letters did he write to the same church? Be like, guys, yeah, guys, we talked about this. <laughs> did we talk about this? Like, didn't I, didn't I say not? I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. But so, so that's kind of what we see though. It's just these um, development of, of bishops um, kind of taking over regions. And yeah. that's going to be really important later when yeah. we get to the Bishop of Rome, as we know, the Pope. Who's typically? Oh, I was going to say cardinal. Oh, cardinal. it's the pope, isn't it? Oh, it's no. Pope, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, but we're we're not quite there yet. But not there yet. That's that's something something again a bit later. Doesn't take long. <laughs> it does yeah it does not take long. <laughs> but anyways, um, so that so that's primarily how it was governed. Governed. So that's by question one. Apostles, elders, and then uh, bishops later on. Yeah. Question two: How did the church expand? Mm. The church expanded, uh, at least in the first three, technically four, early fourth century. Um, Technically, uh, the majority of that spread in that time was the persecution. Um, Not, I mean, in some way, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but like speaking broad stroke, persecution um, split people. You, You had, you know, you're... You, you wanted to survive. That's not a wrong instinct as a Christian. Be like, well, shouldn't Christians, you know, just stand in the way? And actually, we'll read about that later. Like, s- some people were um, just throwing themselves into persecution so that they say they could suffer for the cause. And, and I think Scripture says that that's not necessarily the right way of going about it. And you, we'll go over that later. Anyways, but um, persecution made people spread. Um Coming up to the destruction of the uh, of the temple in Jerusalem, which I believe Jesus was warning the Christians of that time. Because of that, you had Christians fleeing into the mountains, and um, and because of those Christians fleeing into the mountains, you have what we discovered um, a millennia and centuries and millennia later, where the Dead Sea Scrolls, because Christians were in those mountains copying scriptures and preserving them. Mm. And now we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, So using that as an example, Christians being persecuted, trying to not die, (laughs) were going into different areas of the world and by doing so, bringing the gospel with them because just because they were being persecuted doesn't mean that they hated the gospel anymore. They just didn't want to be killed. So right. they, they fled, they went to all of these different areas and bringing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's how the church spread um, throughout yeah. that region, Judea, Samaria, <laughs> to the ends of the earth. Right, right. Which is awesome that is, that's God's providence because he wanted the gospel to go to the nations. Mm-hmm. He, he predestined that this be the way that that his people are saved as he chose Israel and the gospel came to Israel first and then from yeah. Israel goes to the nations. And, and then when Jesus came, the same. He, he right. ministered to his people right. and told them, like, don't tell 
don't tell of me right now. It's not, it's not time yet because yes. he was still ministering to God's people. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so that's what we see persecution being the main driving force behind the expansion of the church and it basically reaching every country mm-hmm. um, and every place of the known world at that time. Yeah. Um, the, um, well, I was going to say the, the persecution itself, too, was a cause for spreading as well, not just like causing people to spread but actually a cause. It, we see that a lot. Um, I mean, in Scripture, you read about the centurion at the cross who like, who confessed Jesus as the Son of God. Like, persecution in and of itself also was converting people. Right. Because, because of the conviction that these people had. Yeah, it validates the message that they preach. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. As the old saying goes, blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... It's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool stuff. So the, the last thing on this particular, last question on this particular era is how did the church witness? And that was primarily they were witnessing by, you know, like personal evangelism. Um, you know, many people had seen the risen Jesus early on, um, like the apostles, mm-hmm. of course, and, and right. other the other witnesses that saw him raised from the dead. Yeah. You can imagine the boldness of them proclaiming Christ as as Lord and the risen Savior. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. And then they also, the, the boldness that they would have, knowing that the, the people who mentored them yeah. in the faith had seen the risen Lord. Like the first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation Christians, like just the boldness because of their recent ties right. to to Christ. Yeah. It's like it's it's awesome stuff. Yeah. And they're still within that world. Like it didn't feel foreign to them. Right. Like it does to us being two thousand years later, culturally removed, lots of baggage from church history mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like just this clear, bold conviction that they must have had. Just yeah. preaching. Like one Christ. of my favorites with Justin Justin the Martyr. He his his mentor, the person that discipled him, was Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John, mm. like John the the apostle, the author of Revelation and First and Second Third John, um, and the Gospel of John. Um, so you had, yeah, you had disciples who during this huge time of persecution who were disciples of the disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And it's just it's, so cool. It's oh man. We have the for those who confess Christ have in a way seen the risen Lord because we've seen the testimony, we've seen the proof, we've been we, God's grace has been revealed to us through his word and so um in no way is that any less impactful spiritually. Um, John, Peter, Paul, Jude, like these people aren't better than us because they got to see the risen Lord. Right. But still, that conviction of like, no, we we believe this because we saw it yes. with our own eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome stuff, man. It's Wicked awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah, sure is. So... Is there anything else we want to say about that? Um, no, uh, just kind of one of the other ways that um, personal evangelism was spread. Uh, by like the end of the third century, there were the Stoics. That was popular in that time. Um, just as a little tidbit, 
as an interesting fact about that time period. Um, the Stoics were the ones that believed in tranquility, essentially tranquility in apathy. That if you can remove yourself from all desires of this world um, and, uh, and not being attached to this world is how you find true tranquility and peace and harmony in, in the universe and all of that. Um, and that's a lot of how the Christians in that time proclaimed the gospel and its spread was, yes, you are supposed to be detached from things in this world, but be attached to Christ, the actual creator and uh, creator of this world, King, Lord, risen Lord, God, all these things. And, and it was a breeding ground for the gospel because these people were, were brought up in what it meant to, to leave everything aside for the gospel they just need to know it first. And so yeah. that's how a lot of that, um, a lot of personal evangelism worked out in the early church through that's the Stoics. Cool. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Kind of like what Paul did with uh, going into the synagogues and reaching the Jews, you know, just exactly. reaching the people who had a similar worldview and just kind of helping them connect the dots yeah. to Christ. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So that was the first three centuries. So basically, Pentecost all the way to about 312 mm -hmm. AD. And then we're moving into now the start of the Christian empire, the church in Christianity in Rome, that whole kind of thing where we kind of see the, the trend towards lots of things which we view as Roman Catholicism today and even Eastern Orthodoxy in a lot of ways. Right. So... Um, this is where Protestants are probably going to feel more removed and less gung-ho about this portion. <laughs> or enraged, depending or, on the Protestant. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it happened. It happened. So we have to talk about it. It's part of our history, whether we yeah. like it or not, because Jesus said his church would prevail and the gates of hell would not prevail against it, right? Yeah. So... That means that the true church has always existed. Christians have always existed. The gospel has always has always been in existence like mm -hmm. during this during this during the time of the church. Yeah. So we're we gonna get to some like real dark times. Yeah. Coming yeah, yeah. up. Oh, we're yeah. gonna get in some real dark Definitely. times. But gets, that doesn't mean the church disappears. Right, exactly. It just got messy and really messed up. <laughs> yes. But I mean that makes sense. We know that like it's just almost like the people there were messed up. And yeah. they let it get into the church? What? I thought we were perfect. Uh, well, you can be perfect with oh. the with the right amount of work and the right amount of holiness and the right amount of um, repentance. You can actually be perfect. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. I, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, guys. <laughs> FYI. Um, so basically, during this next section, where yeah. we'll call it the early Christian empire, um, that was about 312 to 590. So what was the main turn of events at 312? Why do we change it there? Like what what happened? Yeah. And it really is like 312. Yeah. So earlier in the year 312, people were being killed in creative ways. Like just it was a game, how can we kill the Christians? And it you could see you could see things changing, but in 312 you have the emperor Constantine and um, the Emperor Constantine, which uh, you, some might say he wasn't necessarily a Christian, you don't know his true faith, 
what we do know is his care and favor towards the Christians. And so really with, I mean, within a one-year period, you have Christians being murdered, persecuted, killed in interesting, weird ways to this complete, complete shift to um, adoration, acceptance, praise, um, and push of the Christian faith. Yeah, so much so that they even, Constantine ordered the first council of the church. I think it was the nice council yeah. of Nicene. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. I have three twenty. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and established the, uh, you know, some solid doctrines of the, the church. Um, it's pretty, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. So this is it's definitely a cool time, especially, mm-hmm. I find it very interesting, like the early part, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so how, so how was the, the church governed during this time in particular? So this is where we see the rise of the bishops. Um, Bishop of Alexandria, Bishop of Antioch, Bishop of Rome, Bishop of um, Athens, I think. Uh, you, you see the rise of not, I don't think the word is strict, um, the rise of ordered Christianity. Yeah. Um, because like we mentioned earlier, like Isaac was mentioning earlier, the Christians were just trying to not be tied up in wet um, animal skins. Right. <laughs> like they're just figuring out a way to, to, to be with their family, to minister to people with the gospel and not die. And very quickly, now they have time to set order. They have time to go, well, is this doctrine right? Is this doctrine right? Um, you have uh, the the term, like, this is where you get into, and this is the, the, the Nicene Council, is you have people going, who is, uh, was Christ fully God? Or was he like God? And anyways, all these things, people are now starting to debate that because they have time to sit and think yeah. and not die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's and nice. It's nice to, it's nice to have and time die. and think and not die. It's yeah. one of my favorite times, yeah, for being too. honest. Um, so yeah, you have bishops, you have uh, clergymen, you've got um, order, you've got, um, you have even a religious uh, sect within the government system. You have people who are Christians like like with the emperor, like giving him a council and like, and it's really turned from being persecuted to establishing an order with the assistance of the emperor of Christian faith and practice. Yeah. And this is where we see a lot of the mixture of church and state. Yes. Where the Church is quickly. In, yeah, again, quickly. It just happens so fast. So fast. It's just not enough time for them to think ahead of time. Is this the right thing to do? But which is a it's it's just it shows it shows the need of Christ. Yes, it does, man. Because <laughs> just because you're saved, I was joking that you become perfect. It does not take long for the idolatry in the heart to take root, even if you think you're doing it for good Christian purpose. Like if if it's separated from the will of Christ and in prayer and in um, wise counsel and scripture, it's it's going to be self-producing and it's going to be self-honoring and it's going to be power driven. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so basically 
the main thing to keep in mind in, in this overview of this time period, as far as the government is concerned, is being governed by bishops, local, they're, they're regional pastors, basically, that are kind of overseeing the, the multiple local churches in their region. And then the other thing we see during this time period is an allegiance, a special credence to the bishop in Rome, which eventually becomes known as the Pope. Yes. Um, and the doctrine of the Pope mm-hmm. is not, it's not developed until really the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. like more fully, where mm-hmm. he's kind of given like, like as much authority as the emperor, like yeah. even more authority than the emperor. He was basically the, the ruler of... Well, he's the vicar of Christ. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but we don't quite see that during this time, but we see yeah. the trends and that direction. You definitely see a lot of political, like Christian, you can't see it, quote, air quotes, Christian political input. Yeah. Uh, for sure, starting to mix, right. starting to meddle. And it's not like they were all bad. Like the no. bishops, bishops were, there's a lot of awesome bishops and a lot of awesome bishops of Rome. A lot of good popes too. There yeah. were. Like there were some really good ones that just unfortunately were some really, really not good ones. Yeah. Maybe people who cared about money and what? desires and stuff. What? No. Oh, I'm getting excited. I want, I want to go there so bad, but <laughs> not that this isn't important. Yeah. Me. We need to move on. Yeah. So. Okay. How did it expand, Josh? How did the church expand during this period of time? So they were actually able to openly evangelize. And again, just because they're bishops and just because there was a Christian influence in the empire, that wasn't all bad. People were actually excited that they could minister and preach the gospel without being killed. Right. Um, Constantine was setting up churches for these people. Like people could actually gather as the body, um, not just in a home, but in a large gathering. Christians could gather in large groups, unafraid, um, completely open, and and it, that's just how it was evangelized. But they wore masks, though, right? But they wore masks. <laughs> I'm when sorry. did that first podcast come out of uh, Church for Dummies? Well, we mentioned masks so it's got to be 2020 got to be 2020 <laughs> it's got to be 2020 hopefully this is the only year where we have to wear masks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyways um but yeah yeah so basically what yeah. you're saying is it it expanded through evangelism but evangelism mm-hmm. kind of on a different side of the coin because now they're able to do it openly and freely yeah without fear of persecution yeah in most places of course we're talking about the roman empire here and yeah. which was pretty much over the whole earth, but there were still places in pockets, like in the east especially, mm-hmm. and up north where there was a lot of barbarians and whatnot, like northern Europe, mm-hmm. where you know this it wasn't quite the same. There was still persecution and, and whatnot, but still, I mean, but still, still like how we have today. Yeah, you know, we exactly. live in America. We have a governed rule of law, but there are places in America where there's pockets of. Yeah. They essentially just rule themselves. Yeah. <laughs> You're sure. always going to have those pockets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to govern every square inch. North Dakota. North D- New Hampshire. <laughs> living free or dying. What is this? Yeah, crazy yeah. stuff, crazy stuff. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it didn't take, but the other side of that too is it did not take long, again, uh, for, for that to turn. Um, you start seeing the gears change. And in this book, 
um, church history in plain language, there's this decree from the next emperor after Constantine, Theodosius, um, and his decree in 380 was, it is our will that all the peoples we rule shall practice that religion, which is the divine Peter the Apostle um, transmitted to the Romans. We shall believe in the single deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit under the concept of equal majesty and of the Holy Trinity. That's really good. Like, that's a pretty decent decree from your current emperor. But then he continues, We command that those persons who follow this rule shall embrace the name of Catholic Christians. The rest, however, whom we adjudge demented and insane, shall sustain the infamy of heretical dogmas. Their meeting places shall not receive the name of churches, and they shall be smitten first by the divine vengeance, and secondly by the retribution of our own initiative which we shall assume in accordance with divine judgment. So basically, if you reject Orthodox Christianity, you're demented and insane. You don't get to gather as a church. And you're probably going to die. <laughs> yeah. That was 68 years after Constantine came in as the emperor and made it favorable to be a Christian in the Roman Empire. Didn't take long. 68 years. <laughs> we went from... And just so, just so our listeners understand, like how, like drastic of a change this was. Basically, we have people individually evangelizing to other people, and the only way that person would be considered a Christian is if they personally surrendered to Christ and was they were baptized. Yeah, you know, showing publicly that they are Christ now. Yeah, and then they would probably be killed for it. And now we go completely the opposite. Like, you'll be killed if you're not professing Christ. Mm -hmm. So like, imagine Saudi Arabia. Like, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's celebrated to be a Christian. Like, that's that's what we're, that's what we're thinking about. We get very dis pulled away here yeah. in America, but in Saudi Arabia, where you... Just if it's known that you're a Christian, like it's very real how it was then to now. Like imagine that environment tomorrow, just just like that. It's now okay to be a Christian. It's celebrated. They're building churches for you and you can walk out into the street publicly. Yeah. Crazy. It's definitely crazy, man. All right. So I think lastly, before we wrap up, we want to talk about the third question here. On this area which yes. is how did the church witness so and i i guess i kind of touched on that a little bit with the whole like with the individual like evangelism a little bit still yep. at the beginning but there's still there's more to it because the church evangelized almost more passively during this period of time because you have yeah the influence with the, the, the civil realm mm -hmm. as the empire is expanding mm -hmm. um, and then and with, with that you have Christianity being gaining gaining acceptance mm -hmm. like the teachings of Christianity are coming to the forefront in the public square yeah so people are are hearing about Christianity and many are becoming Christians of course <laughs> You know, later on, it's kind of mandated that they are. But like during the first period of this That's time. That's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
that that's kind of what's happening. And eventually you get to a point, as you'll see in the Middle Ages, where there's basically no evangelism because everyone's right. just kind of assumed a Christian as part of the culture. You're just baptized, um, literally baptized yeah. into the church. And the church is basically synonymous with being a citizen yeah. of that country. So there's really not evangelism. You're assumed to be a Christian mm-hmm. unless you openly defy it. And it's mm-hmm. which is just totally weird to our Protestant views of things, which is good because I, I think we're right. That's why I'm Protestant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be another episode. Yeah. Yeah. But um No, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else about that? Um, well, just a, a little fun tidbit for this time frame. This is where we see the beginnings of monastic orders, monasteries, monks. Um, this is the means of which we get the Latin Vulgate by Jerome. Um, and again, how evangelism, there was uh, St. Anthony, who I believe it was he he lived in a tomb for years. Um, and it just this kind of self deprivating um, service, what people thought was self-deprivating service and sacrifice for um, for holiness and spiritualness in, in a Christian, not spiritual, vague, but for, for Christian holiness and sanctification started to really grow and spreading even into the West, which you think that sounds very Eastern, and it is, but even spreading to the West, this idea of giving up of one's own desires for the sake of devoting to Christ and the teachings and prayer and fasting and all these different things. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Until you start trying to compete with one another and being like, well, I'll eat only grass. And one person's going, well, I won't eat at all. And then other people um, feeling somewhat, I think it was, uh, I I was just trying to go over it because I forgot. I believe it was Benedict. Um, who got requested to come as like the leader of the monastery. And within a year or two, I think it was, uh, his followers poisoned him to try, <laughs> to try and kill him. And so That's it's very Christian of you. <laughs> yeah. It sounds nice, but again, quickly it turns into, well, I can be more holy than you are. And it, yeah. it becomes not about sharing the gospel, but about being a better, um, being a, uh, a more, uh, being more able to withstand pleasure and withstand desires and withstand pride. things. Pride. pride. It's all pride. It's all idolatry. Yeah. Without scripture, without true confession and repentance, yeah, exactly. it's all just idolatry. Yep, it is. It's, it's yeah. yeah, definitely condemned. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's an overview of basically the first six, six centuries, yeah. essentially. Um, and next time we'll pick it up with the Middle Ages and the Reformation and go through these same questions. That one will be a four-parter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we like the Reformation a lot. Oh over my here. gosh! Not that we're reformers or Calvinists, because we don't want to, you know, give it away. What? But man, I love the Reformation. The Reformation's pretty cool. <laughs> no, my gosh. <laughs> no. So this has been this has been uh, our our podcast. This yeah, has been uh, the first six centuries. This, this is us. This is this is us. I think that's taken already. This is us? Yeah, I think that's we been popular. We can't use that as a, as a line. No, it's probably going to be bleeped out oh. from the people that own podcasting. <laughs> I don't think anyone owns it. <laughs> I don't think, no, no. 
but yeah, this is this has been uh, Church for Dummies. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. Um, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.